Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Hello, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. Bump, Curtis, you guys uh, ready for Valentine's Day? You get stuff for your wives? You get set up? Already went down. You know, what? I, I leave it. I uh, leave it on the uh, the table before I leave Aww. the house because she's gone at five a.m. because she teaches morning classes. Yeah. So by the time she gets home, I'm already on the road. So I left her some flowers, a little gift. My daughter too. Like if I don't get her something, she's mad. Isn't so that's we done dilly. Curtis, you get Brenna taken care of here for uh, Valentine's Day. I've gotten stuff purchased, uh, but we are going to do the celebrations after I get home from work today. So. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love that for you guys. How about you and Brian? Uh, you and Brian oh, got anything special? Planned? Yeah, we're gonna. We got some dinner plans. Um, heading up to the space station after the show it takes a couple hours to get there, so that's probably gonna be my evening. And then obviously we'll have dinner um, in space at the space station. I actually so. spoke to him. I said, um, "Really, take her to Fogo de Chao." Yeah, it's a nice little restaurant. He mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, he mentioned that he talked to you. That's so cool that you guys got it. Got a chance to talk with my boyfriend brian the seahawks have another hard but vital task they have to have a great draft class this spring because the offseason is here they got some decisions to make so we're going to talk a lot about the draft today yesterday we did a ton of super bowl reaction um and we're going to be talking about some other stuff today um i mentioned during the snapshot espn's jesse rogers is going to join us at one for the final hour to talk about all of the new rules that are going to be in MLB this year and how all of them will affect the Mariners. So we're still getting some baseball talk in. We have some fun stuff coming up at 1030 Valentine's Day theme segment there. But we are talking about draft because the offseason is here. So let's talk about one of the most important places you can improve. 2022 bump gave them a head start. They got a lot done with 2022 in that draft class. Holy cow. Yeah, they did. You um, you got a starter in Charles Cross and Abe Lucas at the tackle spot. Hopefully they hold it down for a very long time. You got your starting running back in Kenneth Walker, who was thrown into the mix probably earlier than expected, but had himself a great year. You found a corner in the fifth round in Tariq Willen. You got Kobe Bryant in the slot. Dariq Young made some plays late. Boye Mafe, they hit on this one. And we still haven't seen uh, Tariq Smith yet. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how he works out. But... To say they hit on this draft is an understatement. They got contributions from a lot of young guys. Um, They exceeded expectations as far as performance. But they still got some work to do. But 2022 was a nice little start to this thing. Now, normally, um, if they had like a franchise quarterback or uh, maybe a defense that was like a top 10 defense, it would be like, well, you know, why don't you just see what this draft brings? Uh, Unfortunately for the Seahawks, you are in a division where the um, that you have uh, a team that went to an NFC Conference Championship in uh, consecutive seasons. You have a team that won a, t- a Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, you have a team that's hoping to get better. At the very least, they have a young franchise quarterback. Let's see what Kyler Murray can be. But, I mean, you have, even in an easier conference, still an uphill battle to get back to a Super Bowl. So... This does have to be a draft where you hit again. And maybe that's not fair to say. It's not fair to say, like, hey, in two consecutive draft classes, can you get, like, a couple starters? Mm. But that's what Seattle's going to have to do. If you want to get back to a Super Bowl, you have to, once again, find guys in the draft. I mean, this team drafted so well in 2011 and 2012, and also 2010, I'll throw that in there, that it essentially kept them successful for a decade. Like, a huge part of their success for a decade was because of those three classes. There's other important guys in there. There's coaching moves in there. There's all kinds of stuff in there. But 
Those three classes provided 10 years of star players. You're building that foundation. And especially with this year, you got three picks in the top 37 picks. You got three. You got the number five, number 20. Then the second round, you got the number 37 overall. And that's what you're trying to duplicate. You're trying to duplicate what happened back then in the sense that you're getting pillars for the future. You're not trying to duplicate in the sense that, oh, we need the Legion of Boom. We need to have Hall of Famers everywhere. No, I don't think you need Hall of Famers at every position for you to be successful. But what you do need are guys who are going to be here for two and three contracts. And they have opportunity to do that just with the picks that they've had. Like 2021, they didn't hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. three picks overall, so not exciting at all. Yeah, Dwayne Eskridge, who has yet to do anything. Trey Brown, who's been banged up. I'm sure he'll be on the roster. We'll see what he does. Yeah, Stone Forsyth, who's been in and out. In 2020, you did okay. You found Jordan Brooks, who's your starting linebacker. Daryl Taylor came around this year with nine sacks. Damian Lewis is a starter. Kobe Parkinson got involved. Thank you, Shane Waldron. DJ Dallas is a, a swing, you know, running back, some, um, some special for teams. Depth. Yeah, for depth. And yeah. then you got Allen Robinson. So 2020 was kind of like basketball games to warm-up line. You know what I'm saying? You're getting ready for the game. Boom, warm-ups. Everybody, let's get warm-ups. 2021 was the first quarter where it just ain't working out. you got to figure some things out. Right. And then 2022 was like, we're making a run in the third quarter, setting up for the fourth. This draft is the fourth quarter. So you're missing 21, but you got another opportunity. It's a big ask to hit the way they did last year, but yes. how wonderful would that be? Oh, it would be amazing. And you want to look at some of the best teams in the league, and what do you see? You see guys that, um, yeah, there are some free agents. Let's look at Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Kansas City lost uh, in 2020 in the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they saw the pressure that Patrick Mahomes was under, and they said, we're going to go out, we're going to spend money, we're going to throw money at the offensive line because we have a guy who's retiring, a guy who's injured and not coming back, and then some guys who are just underperforming, and they did. They got Orlando Jones Jr., um, they got Joe Tooney, and then they drafted Creed Humphrey mm-hmm. and uh, Humphreys, and all three of those guys were pro bowlers. Humphreys was maybe the best of the bunch, um, and, and you saw the payoff, which was that they were a top five offensive line in football this year. That's from Pro Football Reference. They were number four at the end of the season. Uh, Philadelphia was number one, but it didn't matter because when you have the quarterback talent, uh, a great tight end with Travis Kelsey, and a top four offensive line, you don't need the number one offensive line. You, you, you just need to improve there, and that's the only difference you needed. So they did throw money at a problem. Yeah. But look at some of their other big contributors, whether it's Chris Jones uh, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, um, Pacheco uh, later this year. Like, they have a lot of draft picks in there as well. So they got some mid-level free agents to make up for the loss of Tyreek Hill, expensive free agents to shore up the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of their big contributors are guys they've drafted. And th- they're paying those guys now, Jones, Kelsey, and Mahomes. But it's because they're great. Yeah. Um, you can look at the other side at San Francisco and find Debo and Nick Bosa and George Kittle. We've talked about those guys a million times. All drafted guys. Go back up to Seattle and you look at some of their big contributors. I mean, you didn't draft Gino, You didn't draft Quandre. You didn't draft um, Jamal. Uh, you did pay draft picks for him. But, like, you have... You, you've had kind of a shortage of drafted talent that you've loved and retained. You want the homegrown. Why? Because they're going to stick around for longer and they're cheaper. And that's what the Chiefs were able to do. I'm looking at their draft history. Since 2019, they got guys who are still here. 2019, you had Hardman, the receiver, who's still here. 2020, you got Legereus Sneed, who's a big contributor here. You have Willie Gay Jr., the linebacker who's still here. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's been banged up, but he's made some plays. 
in 2021, you got your boy Creed, who's one of the best in the league at this point. And then in 2022, you got Trent McDuffie, who started in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You got uh, George Karlaftis, who, who played. Sky Moore, who scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Isaiah Pacheco, who led the team mm-hmm. in rushing in the Super Bowl. So what they've been able to do is just hit. Now, I think when you combine all those guys, the Seahawks hit more in this one draft than they did um, in each individual draft. They have like one or two guys, but the guys that they drafted, you mentioned, have been hitting, and then you add to that. So that's exactly what the Seahawks should be trying to do, and I'm pretty sure they are trying to do. You want to hit in the draft. You have your guys. You only have two tackles. You have a running back. You have a corner, and you have a linebacker. So five or six guys that contributed who are homegrown to your team this year. If you can add two to three more of those guys to contribute, homegrown guys, that's setting you up for the future because, you know, they're going to be here because they are for the cheap. Guys like Diggs, guys like Jamal, uh, eventually Jordan Brooks is going to want to get paid. Eventually you're going to have to come out the pocket and say, look, which one of you guys can we afford to lose? When you get them young, you don't have to make that decision for a while. Well, and it's hard to get – uh, great talent in the draft. Actually, I should take that back. You can find good talent in the draft anywhere. Uh, you are more likely to hit on that talent when you're drafting early in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I know we can all think of a million and five busts that have been early first round picks. But for every one of those, there's another guy that worked out just fine right. because it, it's a near consensus from scouts, from teams that like, hey, these are the best guys. You got a good pool here. The Seahawks haven't had a shot at that. Um, I think his name's Brandon Bean, the GM for the Bills at the end of the AFC Conference Championship. Um, there was kind of like this exit interview press conference that he had, and he was asked about the Cincinnati uh, Bengals and all the talent they had. And he said, I don't want to suck. Uh, and it as bad, I don't want to be so bad that I can get Jamar Chase. And that's kind of like, <laughs> that's kind of where the Seahawks have been. Yeah. They've been in the playoffs, what, 10 of Pete Carroll's 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've gotten double digit wins. And I think, um, like 11 of those 13 years, um, when you're doing that, you're not getting a shot at five right now. You have it like this is maybe the most draft capital they've had to work with ever under John and Pete. Yeah. And it needs to be the most impactful draft ever under John and Pete, at least since 2012. Yeah, they, they can't miss with this one. Last year, they had the number nine pick, and then they didn't pick again until pick 40. Year before that, they had number 56, then 137. In 2020, they had 27, then 48. In 19, they had 29 and 47. Man, you're looking at 9, 20, and 37 off top. And I think they realize how important this draft is. And of course, Guys are going to miss. Teams miss every year with draft picks. There's no foolproof formula to do this thing. But you have a chance to get the best of the best. The hardest part about drafting is that you have to predict the future. You have to predict that this young man is going to develop into the player you hope that he is. You have to predict that he's going to take the talent that you saw in college and have it translate to the NFL. Sometimes it's an automatic thing. These guys get it. But a lot of the times they don't. And we've mentioned it before. Sometimes that's on coaching. That's the situation. That's the defense they're in, the offense that they're in. Um, so it's a, it's a gamble. But I like their chances in this gamble because they're not waiting around until pick 56 to make their first pick like they did a yep, couple years yep. ago. They get first crack at some of these dudes. I just think I, I love that we are going to have a really, really fun draft to talk about. I love that we're going to know who they take at five, that once they draft whoever they want to take at five – we will undoubtedly know who he is. We're going to know all about him because mm-hmm. there's only a, number, a certain number of guys where you're like, this makes sense at pick number five. Right. Like These are some of the best players in college football coming out of the draft this year. The C- 
Seahawks are going to have a shot at one of those guys. And that's so incredibly exciting. And I just can't stress enough how important this is going to be and, and why we're so excited to talk about it, not just today, but all offseason leading up to the draft. Because as much as we're going to talk about free agency, and we will, as much as we're going to talk about how you can improve uh, different units, particularly the defensive line with some free agents, and we will. In fact, we're doing that in less than an hour. Um, the draft is where you're going to have to hit. You're right. Like, you can't spend your way, purely spend your way to a Super Bowl. And I know that we can simplify storylines and say, oh, the Rams did it, but they didn't. Not really. Like, they made good trades, but, like, you always have to have some homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. Look at their best player, Aaron Donald. Yep. Their other best player, Cooper, Cooper Cup. Cup. Right? Yep. Like, it's, I just think sometimes we simplify things was Akers, and forget. Was Akers homegrown, too? Drafted, yes, yeah, second Drafted, rounder. so he came back. He tried to leave, but they he came did, back. He, you know what I mean? <laughs> He wrote back. He wrote back. <laughs> he did write back. He did write back. He's gonna please come, can I please come back on the team. <laughs> but I mean, like, I think bump. We try to sometimes simplify like a path where it's like, oh, if you uh, spend money on this defensive lineman and you make this trade and you do these things, and sometimes it's like, you know what? The cheapest and most effective way is sometimes to get your own guys on the cheap. Get them for the cheap. Yeah. You now you need established veterans for sure every team has that but we're thinking longevity we're not thinking los angeles rams we're thinking seattle seahawks they were their most successful when they relied on guys that were homegrown of course you bring guys in to help out of course you bring guys in to lead but this is an exciting draft i'm really excited for this draft Mm -hmm. because we don't have to wait they have high picks and they've already started something now you got to finish this thing. Not finish it, but continue to ride the wave that you created last year and a couple years before that. And I think they can if they do it right. The interesting part is, what's their angle going to be? What What's going to happen with Geno? What's yeah. that number five pick going to be? What are you going to do with 20? I've seen so many mock drafts with different scenarios. Um, it, that makes me even more excited because people are you know, throwing things around, man. Let's see what happens. Okay, the theme of today's show is going to be draft and improvement. Again, We have other stuff intermingled here at 1 p.m. Like I said, if you're just now joining us, ESPN's Jesse Rogers is going to join us to talk about MLB's new rules. There are quite a few rules to know about ahead of the season. And, of course, you also want to know which Mariners players might be affected the most by these rules. That's coming up at 1 p.m. So don't go anywhere. Really important conversation coming up with Jesse. But a lot of what we're going to talk about today is going to be improvement. We're going from Super Bowl reaction to Seahawks, right? Like, how do we get better? How do the Seahawks get better this offseason? We're talking draft. Um, Bump is going to talk uh, a potentially controversial pick at number five coming up at 1045. We're going to talk about the move on the defensive line with some free agent conversation mixed in there. Lots of good stuff coming your guys's way. Let's get started with headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Headline number one, on Monday, the remaining 10 Pac-12 schools released a statement saying they're united in their commitment to one another. What's the real headline? Well, that's what my parents said, too, guys. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's all a lie. Mine, too. Mine, too. Mine, too. Mine too. I'm going to add on. Uh, the schools added that uh, they look forward to a media rights deal getting done in the near future. Um, again, we talked with, who do we have on the other day, Curtis? Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy, who said like he could see a world where maybe expansion with SMU and SDSU has to happen uh, potentially or could happen first before the media rights deal. Either way, get that media rights deal done, man. Like, get this figured out. You're already facing an uphill battle. Get it sorted. This is damage control. 
This is, don't worry, guys. We're united. We're in this together. Yeah. I know we've been waiting around. I know you see other deals going down. The SEC is with ESPN. The Big 12 <clears throat> is doing their thing. You've seen nothing from us, but don't you worry. That makes it hard. It makes it hard to believe it. It may not want to believe. This is yeah. my conference, right? Yeah. They gave me an opportunity, but they're slow right now, man. And, uh, it concerns me. If you want to recruit players, the best of the best, you want them to stay out west, bars, yeah. then you got to get this done as soon as possible, man. Well, and basically what the Pac-12, now Pac-10 did is they sat us down, right? Sat us down in the living room so for hey, a family I know, meeting. Th- I know and they things said, are tough right now. I know things are tough, okay? I know you're seeing... You've heard mom and dad yelling. You've yell heard at mom each and dad yelling, but listen, listen. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Oregon and Washington, we're staying right here together, okay? <laughs> we're going to make this work. And as children, what we're saying is, okay, then you know what you need to do? We're getting a family dog, okay? We're, we're keeping oh, this no. thing. We're getting a media rights deal is what we're doing. Yeah. Prove it. Prove it. No good thing has ever been followed by a statement. Statements <laughs> only follow bad things. And I feel like the Pac-12 may be encountering a bad thing right now. God. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Kyrie Irving didn't want to answer questions about his future with the Mavericks on Monday, calling any speculation about his future, quote, a distraction. What's the real headline? And we all know how much Kyrie Irving hates being a distraction. That's his MO. (laughs) That's his MO. Think about Kyrie saying this. It, It irks me a little bit because it's almost like I'm just... He thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, like he, he thinks that he's getting in front of things with that. And it's just the way he says it. And because of his past, no one thinks it's genuine. It's no. kind of like you're a robot at this point. And I just don't believe in anything Kyrie says. Great basketball player. Do you see the game last night where they couldn't get a three uh, shot off? With like Five seconds left. Luca's like, no, you shoot it. Kyrie's like, no, you shoot it. He tries to get it back to Luca. Uh, but I insist. Yeah, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like that Portlandia bit. No, 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 you, you, you. Like they're they're gonna be fine. And I think Kyrie is trying to turn a new leaf. He is trying, but he's gotta do more than just one press conference. I, he's gotta be consistent. I actually do agree with you. I don't think that there was any kind of humble pie that was served with Kyrie, but I think that uh for Kyrie, he is I wonder if he's getting to the age where he's like, Well, wait, I also wanna be known as like one of the greatest players. Like yeah. if if I ever have to hang these up, like I, I want people to think I was great. And Kyrie thinks he's great, but I think he's recognizing like, hey, you've bounced around from team to team and it hasn't been working out for you despite you being so incredibly talented. Why is that, Kyrie? What's the common denominator? That's the thing. This was a calculated move, a calculated um, phrase. He didn't really, I don't think he really meant it. He goes, I just have to say this yeah. for the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. I got to get on the, the people's good side, their good graces. Yes. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, the Cardinals, now the only team without a head coach after Shane Steichen signed with the Colts this morning. Arizona meeting with Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon today. What's the real headline? After the second half performance in the Super Bowl, we hope the meeting goes well. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I want to give the Eagles credit as uh, the third most sacks in a single season heading into a Super Bowl ever. Two Bears teams, including 1985, beating them. Uh, This defense was absolutely amazing. I don't know how many started in the front seven. You said like four or five guys had double-digit sacks. An unreal number. Four guys with Mm -hmm. double-digit sacks. Um, that said, you a new head coach sometimes is a tough thing to try to work through. Not only that, but the team that's kind of uh, at the top of the NFC right now with the Eagles is now going to be short offensive and defensive coordinators. Here's the thing. I'm not I'm not throwing shade. It might sound like I'm throwing shade Do to it. the Philadelphia Eagles. No, you should throw shade. When those big boys up front have sacks, they're just better. You're not really... 
scheming too much for those dudes to get those sacks. They're just better than them. And then a DC uh, reaps uh, the benefits from that, as he should, right? He's got to put these guys in place to rack gaps, I guess. But for the most part, I'm bigger, I'm stronger than you, I'm going to go get it. But this is what happens when teams win. Everybody's gone. Coordinators mm-hmm. are gone. You got a bunch of free agents. Now you got to try to bring as much of this team back as possible. Thankfully, you still got Jalen. You got AJ Sime. You got to see what you're going to do with Miles Sanders. Devontae is still back. Kelsey's a free agent. You got to see what you're doing there. There's a lot of work that needs to be done after you reach the pinnacle because everybody wants a piece of you. That's what we're seeing right now. I wonder how many, not just defensive coordinators, but uh, coordinators in general or even some head coaches really benefited from just having fantastic teams. Like you could look at Nick Sirianni, though. I think he's done a great job with coaching and mm-hmm. with really tapping into the culture of the city. Like he seems, he screams Philadelphia. Uh, tapping into the culture of the city and also of players. Uh, he's become like a quick fan favorite there. Um, but like you've just got so many studs on that Man. team. Or I think of like the defensive coordinators that have gone through San Francisco, whether yeah. it's D'Amico Ryans, Robert Sala, um, or even with uh, down in LA with Brandon Staley with the Rams. Like you've had, like how hard is it to make Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey look good? It's all about personnel. Personnel makes bad coaches look good. Personnel makes good coaches look bad. You look at New England. Do we think Bill Belichick ain't a great coach? Oh, he's he, great. He went 8-9 this year. We look at Pittsburgh. Do we think Tom is not a great coach? He went 9-8 and eight this year. Personnel is everything. Now, you got to have the coaches in place to get the most out of this personnel. But if you just ain't got the dogs, you ain't got the dogs. Yeah. And uh, Philly had the dogs. Well, and that's kind of continuing our conversation today, right? Of like, well, how does Seattle get those guys? Mm-hmm. Where do they find them? Uh, we're going to talk a little free agency. In fact, that's coming up next. We're also going to talk uh, plenty of draft conversations. At noon, Eric Edholm, who's the NFL's uh, lead draft writer, is going to be joining us from NFL.com to talk about the draft. Uh, first, though, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. It's a day of love. Also a day to tell people how you're feeling, and we took that to heart with a few outside free agents. So while we're talking about getting better here, let's read our potential Valentine's Day cards for Seahawks free agents coming up next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. It's Valentine's Day, a day for love, a day for romance, and a day for saying how we feel. So let's go ahead and do that for a couple pending free agents. Free agency starts in March, but we've already got our eyes set on a couple potential additions for the Seahawks. Um, And we figured it would be a good idea to let them know how we feel, right? Try to woo them here to Seattle uh, on Valentine's Day, a day like no other. Of course we've got to do that. So... Uh, that being said, we're going to talk about a couple guys, but we have Valentines for two of them. Bump, who did you write your Valentine for? Yeah, I wrote my Valentine. You know what? I helped my kids last night. They have like 20-something students in their classroom, at least my younger kids do. And, uh, you know, they got them ring pops. You know, back in our day, you used to write like the little notes on the cards and stuff. But yeah. now that it's write their name, boom, ring pop. So we went old school, and I wrote a Valentine to Dalvin Tomlinson. Here's my letter. Okay. Love the music, Curtis. Dear Davlin, bump here. <laughs> Let's say, you know, I love what you did in that 3-4 defense in New York. <laughs> also, how's the calf doing? We have great doctors here that will love to take a look at it. <laughs> we need a guy like you, a good pass rusher, even greater run stopper, and a guy with experience to help lead a revamped defensive line. I hope you consider, consider us here in Seattle. Take care. And roll tight. 
<laughs> Dalvin, we need you. He's only he's only going to require eight to ten million dollars a year. It's not only I know that's a lot of money in real life, but in football, we got some money for you, Dalvin. Eight to ten million, we can do that. He's had a couple stops. He's been in New York, went to Minnesota. He's used to playing in the cold. Right, he was injured a, bit, a little bit last year. Only played 13 games, but my guy's gonna get healthy. Yes, and we need a, a guy like him. 20, what, 28 years old? Prime. Let's Prime. get him. I love that. I love that addition. I love that Valentine. You got. It's not even like bars. It's just like a perfect Valentine. What? Where'd you learn how to do this? Hey, I saw. I saw. I got wifey. Wow. 15 years ago. Letters. That worked on Jen. <laughs> See, mine was always just Did like, you write any songs for Jen? Yeah. Like Ooh, Justin poem? Forsett did? Oh, we used to. We used to no, nah, I, I burn CDs. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Give yeah, a little, yeah, yeah. little tip. But you write permanent marker. Mix. Yeah. And you'll just be like, hey, mix, babe, mix of mix summer five. 2007. Yeah, this is for you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> this guy that I used to work with, his boss uh, at this pizza place they worked at would write down the Cure lyrics in his journal. This uh-huh. is before you could just Google everything and have girls think that they were poems that, and songs that he was writing. <laughs> <laughs> like, play imagine playing now, right? The game's the game. <laughs> okay. Um, I love the addition. I love that audition, or addition. And uh, I also love going a little bit younger in free agency. You can only go so young, right? Yeah. You're either in your rookie contract or you're not. But... Love the addition. Love it. Uh, we've got a couple other guys to get to. Let me get to mine. My Valentine. I couldn't help but go poem. If I'm an English major, it felt hard not Feels to. Feels right. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Levante. This is for Levante David. Roses are red. The Seahawks team is young. But we can use an old soul. So let's have some fun. Particularly with someone who's 88.5 coverage grade this season ranked second among all off-ball linebackers. I know you said you want to spend your entire career with the Bucks, but why spend time in the basement of the NFC when you could be here in Seattle in a 3-4 defense with me? Oh, I like it. Thank you. Now, uh, PFF projects the salary at $11 million per. He's 33 years old. He's a bit older. However, like I mentioned from that pro football focus grade, 80.5 coverage grade, that's second. You have Kobe, uh, Cody Barton, who you didn't especially love this year. Jordan Brooks, is he going to be back? This is an affordable option for you. If you pick up the fifth-year option for Jordan Brooks, suddenly you're sinking $23 million into your off-ball linebackers. So maybe you feel slightly less comfortable. But linebacker is an underrated need for this mm. team. And I'm looking at Levante David, and I'm saying, you know what? If you can get him for slightly, slightly, slightly under market value, or if he's tempted to come here knowing for sure that, like, you're going to be the guy and you're going to get so much time on this defense and, and we really think we're on the edge of something, I like the addition. I like Levante, too. An experienced veteran. Um, he will come in and be a leader off top. We know Jordan Brooks is probably not going to be ready to start the season. He'll be on the sideline. So you need a guy that walks into the linebacker room and commands respect. Right? There's certain players that when you're in the film room, you're in the team meeting room, they just walk in and you feel their presence. You're like, all right, Bobby's walking in. Yeah. All right, KJ's walking in. Levante is that type of guy. Now I didn't write a letter to this this guy. This is kind of my Think I sh- you could do it off the cuff. I shot I, I can I can maybe do one off, off, <laughs> off the dome. Off the dome. Okay, this one goes to um my guy. Tremaine Edmonds. <laughs> Tremaine, you've had a good run over there in Buffalo. Twenty eighteen through twenty twenty two. You've seen a lot of great games. You've seen what great quarterback play looks like. You've seen the future. But now I need you to come over here and help revamp this linebacker room that lost one of the best LBs in the league in Jordan Brooks. 
Now, we got some young guys for you. Yeah. You got to be a mentor. I know you're 24 years old, but you got five years of experience. You're a downhill type of player, a violent type of player, the type of player we need in Seattle on that second level. Don't worry about the interceptions. I want sacks. I want forced fumbles. I want you, Tremaine Edmonds. Oh, my God. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Um, let's talk about some of the names that everyone else is looking at. I love Tremaine Edmonds. I love the the three guys that we ended up collectively between the two of us uh, going for. There are some other names I've seen a ton of, so let's go over some of them while we're here. Javon Hargrave of the Philadelphia Eagles um, is is one we've seen a, a ton of. Also from Washington, Deron Payne. So let's talk about both of those guys. We'll start with Hargrave. Here's what I'll say about Hargrave. Would I love to see uh, defensive line help for this team? Absolutely. Spot track, pro football focus, both project him around $18.3 million per year bump. That would be $18.3 million for a great player right. tied up with eighteen point three for Javon, eighteen point three for Jamal, and eighteen around 18 I think, for Quandre. I need to double check. So you've got – just think about the, the money you've got wrapped up in, guys, right? Like yeah. that's, that's a lot per each defensive player unless they're bringing you return. Yeah, and the thing is, if you do sign a guy like Javon Hargrave, you're going to have to make room for him by cutting some guys who are getting paid. But you don't, you just don't cut guys and say, okay, we're good to go. you got to replace them with somebody. So if you cut those guys, which they're probably going to do anyway, mm-hmm. you're going to replace them with um, lesser value, lesser talent, right? Guys who are just going to fill in the gaps or whatnot. Would I love to have him? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, he's a dominant big man who will get it done. But you're thinking about just like the way people think about Gino and say, I wouldn't pay him more than this. I wouldn't pay him more than that because the way that it affects the salary cap. Javon will affect the salary cap as well. Again, there are ways to maneuver money around to mm-hmm. make sure that you are good. But I think that um, on defense, you need a couple of guys. Now, a couple of guys, it'd be nice if we had money to get a couple of guys who are worth 20 mil a year. That'd be ideal. That'd be perfect. But I think you pay one guy. And then you have to sprinkle in a bunch of other dudes. It's Javon, the guy that you pay on defense. But also you mentioned you still got all these other contracts. There are people asking the Hawks to uh, to cut some big names as well, right, to let go of some guys who's been injured or whatnot. If they are to do that, those bigger names would make room for this. But in a perfect world, you get to keep these guys that you're paying already because they're that talented. And you get to sign a guy like Javon Hargrave. It's um, it's possible, yeah, but it uh, it stretches you thin. Last name is one that I see most often on the Mac and Jacks text line to Ron Payne, Washington Commanders. Deron Payne bet on himself rather than getting an extension from Washington. They just gave him his fifth year option uh, and opted instead to say, well, you bet on yourself. If you play well, then, you know, you get to sign an extension. He did play well. He had a career year and now he's looking potentially at a four year deal worth $80 million, $20 million per, maybe $55 million guaranteed. This all from Pro Football Reference. He had 86 defensive stops against the run, which is the most in the NFL. NFL from 2018 to 2020. Uh, You want to talk about a run defense that could use some help? This is exactly who you want to look at. Also, his 95 quarterback pressure since the start of 2021 is the 10th most among interior defenders. I mean, this is a guy that helps you exactly where you need help. But do you do it for 20 million? If you do this for 20 million, you can do it. It can be done. You just got to be smart shoppers everywhere else. And I think that's what the Hawks are good at, too. They're smart shoppers. They find guys that fit what they want to do, especially after a full year of going through your trials and tribulations in this 3-4 and personnel issues. If they have 
if there's ever a moment now for them to understand what they need, I mean, if there ever is a moment, now is the moment for them to do that. And Deron Payne, I mean, you can get him. But you got to be smart in other places. All right. You are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. That were uh, Those were our Valentines for a couple free agents. Uh, let's talk about the draft, though. We've all just assumed the Hawks will go defense at number five because, frankly, they need to. Uh, the pass rush, the defense, all of it needs help. But if these two things happen, Bump thinks the Hawks go quarterback at five. So we'll tell you which two dominoes must fall for a new face under center here in Seattle. Next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Quickly, my reminder for you guys that you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast, wherever you get your pods, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, you know the drill. All right, there is a world in which the Seahawks get a defensive player, maybe an interior defensive lineman at number five. We've been talking about that world pretty much every day once we found out when that pick would be. However, Bump, you see a world where there's a quarterback, and not just a quarterback taken. You see a world where a quarterback feels like a sure thing at number five, but two dominoes must fall. Yeah, there's some things that need to happen. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm the dude who wants them to go heavy defense. You get a D lineman, maybe two D linemen, a linebacker. I wouldn't even mind if they went and got a corner. You go get that defense, but... Things happen in life. Things happen in football. Things happen in draft. The draft is nothing but a domino effect anyway. One thing happens, other thing happens. And then a bunch of events happen. And this is how we get to the Seahawks drafting a quarterback at number five. And it starts with Geno Smith. If they are not able to sign a deal with Geno Smith, if they lowball him, they come in at 25 and someone gives him 30, someone else is offering 32, and he explore those options, that's a real thing. I know Gino wants to be here in Seattle, but money talks. And he's at a point of his career where he has to maximize uh, his, his value right now. So if the Hawks are unable to sign Gino, and you go through the draft, then Will Anderson is drafted, Jalen Carter's drafted, uh, whoever else is drafted. And CJ is sitting there at number five. I'm saying the Hawks are going to pick him up. And they, they're going to pick him up because you have to start building for your future. You can still sign Drew Locke. You want to give Drew Locke a shot at that number one quarterback spot? You go ahead and do it, but you got to have a backup plan. With Geno, Drew Locke is the backup plan. But if Jalen, excuse me, if CJ is available at number five, it's almost like they have to do it if Geno is not on this roster because who do you want? These are the available veteran quarterbacks out there, Stacey. You tell me when you hear a name that you're like, yep, I want him. Okay. Got Baker Mayfield. No. Sam Darnold. That's okay. Daniel, that's okay? No, I mean, that's okay. Oh, no, oh you, you passed. You passed. <laughs> like okay. The, the polite. Oh, that's okay. I've, <laughs> I've already eaten, so. We expect so Daniel cool. Jones to sign with the Giants again. <laughs> yes. Case Keenum. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Salk wants him. Way too expensive. Way you guys, too expensive. You guys don't want to spend money anyway, no, right? No, I would love to have Lamar Jackson here, not for the price tag, because there's so many other things this team has to do. Exactly. Jimmy Garoppolo. No. Teddy Bridgewater. No. My guy, Mason Rudolph. No. C.J. Beathard. <laughs> no. Tyler Henneke, Jacob Brissett, Joe Flacco, Stidham, Dalton, no, no. Minshew, Elite, Goku. No. I mean, there's there's just nothing else out there. No. So if you're unable to sign Geno, you still got to bring in Drew as your backup plan. If C.J. is available at number five and all the, and those other things happen, you got to go get him. Okay. C.J. Stroud. 
quarterback out of Ohio State. Uh, if he's at number five, if Anderson and Carter are gone, and if, if Gino is not here, Gino at this point has signed elsewhere in free agency. Why C.J. Stroud as someone who tips the scales for this team as opposed to if Levis was there? Or I don't think Young would ever be there, but like, let's why C.J. Stroud in particular? Now, no disrespect to <laughs> Levis, came out of nowhere. I watched a film on this dude. He is your prototypical quarterback, a big dude who can throw the football, great mechanic, strong arm. But I look at C.J. One, you got to go for guys. And granted, Ohio State has not had the greatest track record when it comes to quarterbacks, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But C.J. can change all that. And I think he can change all that because he just has that winning pedigree, right? And then that last bowl game, he showed that he can be mobile. He can make every throw out there. When I look at C.J., right, he's not a Russell Wilson type of mobile, but he's a better Geno type of mobile. And he can make every single throw out there. And he is a winner. That's one thing you got to bring into an organization, especially at the quarterback spot. A guy who can walk into a room with grown men, 25 to 35, and get them to buy in. And when you have had success over the years, when you've had success as of late, people buy into that. And those are the, I mean, and this this draft isn't great with quarterbacks anyway. Mm-hmm. It's Bryce Young and it's CJ to me, and then everyone else, we shall see what happens. You still got to see what happens with these guys. But I'm telling you, Stace, Geno signs somewhere else. CJ falls to number five. I'm all about the defense, too, but you got to start building for the future, and it starts with CJ. Devil's advocate, final couple minutes here, okay? Okay. There still are expected to be some other defensive players. I mean, if you have uh, Jalen and Will Anderson go in the top five, you know, and you can't get to your defensive line, there's some linebackers there, right? right? We've talked about that guy out of, uh, was it Texas A&M, Curtis? Uh, We've talked about a couple other guys that could be available at other defensive positions. Texas Tech, thank you. Um, So... Why would you say, you know what, I recognize that there are guys who could help our defense that wouldn't necessarily be a reach at five, but like, you know, it's I'm, I'm, I'm not getting the guy that I would want, but your defense needs so much help. Right. Why go Stroud at that moment and say, you know what, like Stroud at quarterback is more valuable to me with this pick than would be a linebacker, than would be, um, you know, a slightly second tier just not the top two defensive linemen. For a couple of reasons. One you mentioned earlier is that what are the Hawks doing right now? They're building mm-hmm. a foundation for the mm-hmm. future. You need a quarterback. <laughs> if you're building a foundation for the future, your quarterback's gone. Two, I'm in the same position with Drew Locke I was with Geno last year. I don't know if he can do it. I think the kid has talent. I think he might be able to do it, but you got to have an emergency plan. And for the Seahawks, Drew Locke was the emergency plan. Geno was the guy. So because we're building towards the future, because I look at Drew Locke and I'm just not quite sold on him, if this happens, if Geno's gone and CJ is there, you have to do it because we're trying to win next year for sure. You try to win every single year, but I'm trying to win the year after that, the year after that, and the year after that. And you still have, what, the 20th pick in the first round and the 37th mm-hmm. pick in the second round. So you can still get some guys. But we all know, we've seen it. We had the league MVP and the runner-up MVP in the Super Bowl this year, and they were quarterbacks. Quarterback league, they drive this thing. Right. You already know. It's like, what's more valuable, the guy with the ball in his hands or literally any other guy? Right. I I want defense. Don't get it twisted. Of course, but Stephen needs help. Bump is saying that if there are some dominoes to fall, if these you know top two, maybe you know three defensive guys are off the board, if Stroud suddenly becomes available, and if Geno is not here, does John Schneider look at that guy and say, you know what? I've been lamenting not getting more quarterbacks. I've been lamenting not taking a shot. I was at Josh Allen's pro day. I was at Mahomes' pro day. Like, oh man, Schneider knows quarterbacks, right? Yeah, exactly. 
I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So uh, that is the kind of alternate universe. Maybe we'll see what happens at number five there where the Seahawks do take a quarterback. And Bump says, look, if these things happen, I'm betting on that happening. Uh, But they haven't yet. In fact, the entire draft is still to unfold. So we're going to switch gears. And rather than talk about a world where they draft a quarterback, we're going to talk about a world where they do stick with defense because we got to talk about what move the Seahawks need to make to improve a struggling defense on their path to contention. That's next.